Hey, good morning, Mount Arad. It is good to have you here in the house today. I know many are down at our Fredericksburg campus. Today we have a fall festival happening down there. And I said, rain or shine, it's going to happen. And we were wanting it to be better weather today. But hey, listen, it's going to still be a, a party nonetheless. And we're grateful for Pastor Andrew and for all that God's doing down there. It's amazing to think next Sunday we're going to be two services down there. It's going to take a lot of work to staff both services. But we're just believing it's going to give us more opportunity to reach people that we're we're not currently reaching and so that they may meet Jesus. We just believe that's an answer of the mission of what we're all about, what we're all about. Well, hey, listen, we're all here today because we were smart enough to get out of the rain and not run. So all, all of our Marine Corps marathoners will be listening to this later in the week. Hey, bless you. We hope you had a great day of running. Just know a car can get there a lot faster than on foot. But no, we're proud of you today to hit that goal, hit that milestone today. Hey, if you're in the house today, turn with me to Acts chapter 11. We're going to quickly go there as we finish up this series. Don't miss your moment. And I thought I'd put in the, the notes today. Good morning, I'm not Chaplain Black. Because last weekend, wow, what a Sunday we experienced having Chaplin here. Uh, I tell you, if you missed last Sunday, get online and watch it. If you were here last Sunday, get online and watch the other two messages that you missed. He preached a different message every hour in the hour, and we loaded up all three for you. And so you can be blessed. And all three services were so filled with scripture, so filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we pray that they can be an instrument to continue to encourage you to keep growing in the Lord and growing in your faith. So if you're disappointed today, you're here and chaplain's not here, guess what? Your pastor is too. Oh man, I'd love another Sunday like that. Hopefully we'll invite him back to help be with us again here soon. Hey, I wanna, since we've been doing some confession today, I wanna go ahead and make another confession some of y'all followed me on social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I made it look like I did something last night that I really part of the way did. I put on my post, um, I said, um, life is an adventure. You never know where it leads. And I just left it at that and put pictures outside of the stadium. Uh, for the record, I was around the World Series, but I was not inside. Um, I went up there thinking, what will tickets actually sell for? And once I heard, I went, not only am I not able, I'm not willing. That's a lot of money. And I got a wedding coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I told them I had $200. They said, there's a nice sports bar right there to watch the game. And so, no, I didn't go in, but I made it look that way. So I just want to be honest today. Uh, but if you'd like to pass the plate one more time to get me there to not, no, I'm joke, 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 joke. No, listen to me. Acts 11, we've been in a series watching the church move. And not only just watching the church move, watching how the Holy Spirit moved through the hearts of many in the church. And I believe the same movement that happened then is what God wants for your life and my life today. And so I want you to see something here. Even though we're ending today this series and you're like, there's still more chapters, Pastor. Well, hang on. Come back. Next summer, I'm going to walk through 12, Acts 12, all the way to the end. Take it to Rome. And we're going to walk with Paul and make a difference this next summer. But today, we're going to end here, and next Sunday, if you come back, which I hope you will, we're going to be in a brand new series where we're going to spend one month on the chapter, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, come on, put on the whole armor of God, but we wrestle not against what? Flesh or blood, right? We're going to spend a whole month there. 
the month of Thanksgiving there. And listen, I know there's a lot of travel that happens. If you're in town, don't miss your moment. Get here, be here with us. I think this is such a timely word for every believer that wants to walk a little closer with the Lord in the days ahead. Are y'all with me? So I hope as we talk about this idea of blind spots, I want you to know you have a blind spot. I want you to know I have blind spots. And God wants to help us to begin to see the things that maybe are invisible to us that everybody else can see. And how do we begin to walk in a more faithful way? I hope you'll come. I hope you come. All right, Acts 11. Let's just begin right here in verse 19. It says, Now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Now, I want to give you a little context here. Some of y'all are new to the Bible, and I want to kind of give some understanding here. If we were walking through Acts, we know that God was trying to lead the church to move outward. They did not move outward until Stephen, one of theirs, gets put to death right there on the spot. Remember, there's this guy, Saul. He was leading the religion, the Jewish people, to say, let's, let's extinguish Christianity. And so he put this guy, Stephen, and he was stoned to death right in front of him. When that horrible, horrible moment happened, it served as a catalyst to finally move the church to move. And then he's telling us right here, how far did they move? They moved to Phoenicia, to Cyprus, and all the way, 300 miles away, to a place called Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Now, interesting is that Antioch is the capital of Syria. Isn't this interesting? That right now we're preaching a series where we're talking about modern-day Turkey. We're talking about Syria, Right? And God has led our steps scripturally to be in a geography of where we are even now in our modern day headlines, yet we're just what, a couple thousand years earlier in that same location. Could the Holy Spirit be trying to show the church something about what he is up to right here and right now? Don't miss this. So as this movement happened, they're only sharing the good news with people like themselves, Jewish people. But then verse 20 says this, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and they began to speak to the Greeks also. Come on, the Gentiles, if you will, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Look at this verse. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Isn't that rich? News of this reached 300 miles away back in Jerusalem. They hear about all these Gentiles and Jewish people that are accepting Christ in Antioch. They're not sure what's happening, so they send Barnabas. Barnabas, go to Antioch and check it out. Look at this, verse 23. When he arrived, he saw something. <laughs> he saw the power of the grace of God, the grace of God and all that it had done. And he was glad. He encouraged all these new believers to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. Look at this, verse 24. It says that Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the what? Come on, what does it say? Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Come on, that's the second time we've heard that. 
So then Barnabas, the work was too big for just himself, so he went to Tarsus to look for a helper. He looked for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and they taught great numbers of people. There it is again. Great numbers of people. And here's the sentence I want us to preach from today. The disciples there were called Christians for the very first time at Antioch. Did y'all see that? This is the first time the word Christian shows up in the Bible. You might not know this, but the word Christian only shows up three times in the whole entire Bible. This is the first one. A few chapters later, Paul's before King Agrippa. King Agrippa says, are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian? And then there's one more time it's used by Peter, one of the disciples. Later, he talks about the name Christian. Now, as we lean in here, I want you to see this because this is what gets me when I think about don't miss your moment. It's this theme of being known by something and being known by the name of Christ. Christians, Christians, Christians. Come on, are y'all with me? The name Christian means literally the follower of Christ, follower of Christ, because that's the, the derivation of Christ in the name. But then not just that, it literally means belonging to the party of. I think that's kind of cool. Welcome to the party, right? This idea of being a part of something outside of yourself, something rich. Now, what I want to point out to you, the name Christian wasn't something that people inside the church decided to call themselves. Hey, we're all Christians here. No, guess who called them Christians for the first time? It was the people living in Antioch that were on the outside of the church. They are the ones who labeled these people Christians. I think there's something about this today for us today. What you are known for, what you are known by. I want you you to kind of lean in there. This last week I was reading a business book. And again, I'll, I'll connect the dots for you. In this business book, it's called Four. This guy, Jeff Henderson, is a great leader. He led a lot of different companies, and he was a part of the Chick-fil-A organization. Maybe you've heard of that. And then as of late, he's leading one of our churches that are really, really big down in North Point. Uh, he's leading a church there. And in this idea of leadership, he wrote this book, Four. How can an organization be for the outside person, the customer, the person, the clients, the people you're trying to meet. How do you become four? Now listen, I know it's a secular kind of approach talking about business stuff, but he had two foundation questions he based the book on. And here I am studying Acts chapter 11. I'm going, oh, this is good. I got I to gotta at least share that to show there, there's a connection. Maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to connect me. Here's what he said. There's two, two tension points. One is, what do you, what do you want to be known for? Now, the question right behind that is, what are you known for? (laughs) What do you want to be known for? And what are you actually known for? And the tension is, is there a gap between the two? Is there a distance between the two? Is it actual or is it just aspirational? What do you want to be, but how are you actually known? Known. 
And as I was even thinking about that in relationship to this, here I'm thinking about this church that starts in this movement where they begin to bring the gospel to the Gentile as well as the Jews. And here they are in this place of Antioch, which is about, it's the third largest city in ancient times in that day, right behind Rome and Alexandria. About a half a million people are living there and about 50,000 Jews are living there too. And yet this little church that's now growing is known and they're known as Christians. I started thinking about somebody here today that has a desire, and it's not a bad desire. You wanna be known, but what do you wanna be known for? You wanna be known as a good person? Come on, you, any men wanna be a good man? Known as that? Any women wanna be a good woman? It's not a bad desire. How about, how about you wanna be known, maybe be known as a, as a good student or a, a good athlete, or maybe you wanna be known as a good teacher or a good manager or a good leader. Come on, you want to be known as a good employee? You want to be known as a good employer? It's not bad. You want to be known, but what are you actually known for? Is there a gap? Is there a gap? Because see, sometimes that's the stress that we live under when we're not living as we desire to live. Instead, we've slid to a different place of understanding. Now, the application here is not just about a person. The application here is about a people. It's about the church. So I think this is good application for us. Come on, Mount Ararat. What are we known for outside these walls? What are we known for? Is it what we hope to be known for? Is it what we're actually known for? Now, in this passage of Scripture, some of these Christians have scattered now and they've made their way far, far away from Jerusalem, 300 miles away. And all of a sudden we find out that there's this work of God happening. And the church in Jerusalem made up of Jewish people go, we hear something's happening there and they're a little suspicious. I don't know if we can trust this move. And so let's pick somebody to go check it out. And they pick who? They pick Barnabas to go check it out. And they send him 300 miles away to go check out the story And here's some things that he discovers. If you're a note taker, you ought to take notes today. He found three distinguishing marks about the church of Antioch. Three ways they were known by. And it's the same things you're going to be known for. It's the same things I'm going to be known for. Here we go. Number one, you're going to be known by what you say. You're going to be known by what you say. As I meet people out in our community and invite them to come to church or have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. You know what I find? A lot of times people come to conclusions about a church based on things that they've heard from Christians. And you know what's interesting to me is a lot of times people outside the faith don't wanna step in because they're thinking, man, I don't wanna come because if I come, it's just gonna restrict my life. It's just gonna be a bunch of rules. It's gonna be a harder way to live. And, And all they see is what's gonna be against them if they come. And so to dismiss it, what they'll say is, I don't wanna go because those people say one thing and then what, what, that, you know, I don't see it. And I wanna be able to, I wanna be able to know it. I wonder if the people outside, if we were to interview people, if they would be more familiar with what Christians are against than what we're for. What's our language? What do we talk about? What do we say? Do people know what we're for? Do they know how we've been changed? Do they know how in love we are with Jesus? 
Can I tell you literally the reason they get this title Christians is because this church, these people will not shut up talking about Jesus Christ. Did you know that? They're always talking about Jesus Christ. It didn't matter what the conversation was about. They would always take it right back to Jesus. Come on, you wanna talk football? Okay, we'll talk about football. Oh, guess what? Let me tell you about Jesus. Every time they would go back there. And and here's the thing, It it wasn't like they were being so obnoxious that it became repulsive. It actually became inviting because three times in the passage it said many people, because they didn't stop talking about it, came to believe and began to follow because of their message about Jesus Christ. Come on, what comes out of your mouth in seven days? What comes out of my mouth in seven days? Would we be guilty of, oh man, that person always talks about Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, I don't know about you, but I want a reputation like that. I don't think that's a bad reputation to show the trust, the belief that we have in the one that we love. Come on, I want a church that's, that gets a reputation, man. I don't know what's happening at that church called the Mount. I know this, man, you go there, they preach Jesus. They teach Jesus. They sing about Jesus. Come on, wouldn't that be a good reputation? That's the reputation of this church, the church in Antioch. And then I started asking the more painful question. What would be the conclusion If people spent seven days around us, what would come out of our mouth? What comes out of our life? What do we say is important to us? I wonder how often we talk about our life and our faith and our change. Because I believe somebody's sitting here today and you know what they would conclude about you? That person is angry. That person's unhappy. That person's so critical. That person's so cynical. That person's so negative. Come on, is that for somebody today? What comes out? What you say is gonna be a distinguishing mark about who you are. Come on, what is your mouth known for? Is it what you wanna be known for? In this, we gotta begin to let God speak to us through his scriptures today. I want us to see because this is a mark of the church of Antioch. Okay, here we go, number two. And you're gonna quickly get this because you're just... You're smart people, I know it. It's not just what you say, it's also what you, come on, you with me? It's what you do. Come on, don't just tell me, show me, right? It's not just what you say, it's what you do. Isn't it oftentimes the gap is between our words and our actual action? Isn't that true? I think about it this way. Sometimes it's the gap between good intentions and reality. Y'all know what good intentions are. It's the road that paved to hell, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's this idea of don't just have a good intention. Follow it up. Do it. Do it. Not what you say, but what you do. Come on. Talk is cheap. Y'all know this. Paul says it this way. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Jesus, the brother, (laughs) James, the brother of Jesus said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it is says. Isn't that true? You see, the distinguishing mark for this church was the love that it was showing and sharing with one another in the church. Now, you may think that's no big deal, but listen to me. This is the first time we're seeing a church that's comprised of Jewish and Gentile people worshiping, serving, and loving, and caring with one another. 
The Jewish person, their entire life has been told we are set apart people and we don't integrate. We don't interact with non-Jewish people. And yet the good news message of Jesus declared to the, the world that salvation wasn't just for the Jewish person, it was for the world. And now all of a sudden you got, you got new family happening here. And can you imagine how freaked out Antioch was when they're watching these Jewish people, these Gentile people being people that actually cared about one another, actually loved one another, actually will forgive hurts and things from one another and would actually serve one another. This was not happening anywhere else and yet they're seeing it happen right here in this community of Christians. Those Christians were known by the love. Because you know, see, they, they woke up to the fact that when Jesus died on that cross, he broke down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. And that's not the only wall he divided, this distinguishing marks. He wanted them to see this radical posture of the church has changed. And now our community is going to be marked by unity. This idea of unity. As I was preparing for the message this week, as I was evaluating our church here, can I just tell you this is a hard, this is a hard characteristic to follow. Once the church goes from one to two people, now you've got two perspectives and two opinions and two preferences. When you look at a church like our size, two campuses, do you see how many times we can get it wrong if we try to appeal to the preference of a person? Unity in the body of Christ is always gonna be a challenge, why? Because it's made up of imperfect people just like your pastor. And sometimes we don't always say, we don't always do the things that God wants us to say and the things that God wants us to do. Isn't this true? And yet, don't those things become the barriers to us experiencing unity in the body of Christ? Listen, I'm not trying to tell you this church of Antioch was perfect. They weren't. They were making imperfect people just like our church. But you know what they were willing to do? They were willing to choose unity over division. They were willing to choose unity over differences. They were willing to show the world, we'll show you what it looks like when Jesus is Lord over us. You know what? Paul says this later, talking about the same divide that's now been conquered in Christ. He said, so in Christ Jesus, you are the children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither a Jew or a Gentile, slave or free, or male or female, for you are all now one in Christ Jesus alone. Listen, he's not telling us to get rid of the distinctives of those things. He just says they're no longer going to be divisions for us. And here I read God's word today, and it's just as true today as it was a couple thousand years ago. Do you believe that? Then why... A couple thousand years later, are we still arguing about the same divisions? How many of y'all this last week saw on Facebook the war going on between John MacArthur and Beth Moore? Come on, anybody see that this week? Anybody? No, maybe. Can I just tell you, the enemy gets excited when he can divide the house of God and begins to question people's gifting because of gender 
And all of a sudden I'm going, here we are. Have we really come that far? You know, I just wonder sometimes if the things that we major on, if the enemy goes, yes, I got a hook in them now. And yet the mark of this church in Antioch is they were very, very different. They could have easily divided their house every time they gathered. But they said, you know what? Let's, let's show the world what love and grace and forgiveness actually looks like. Church, could we begin to do this? Could we begin to live like this? What would it do to our message? What would it do to our message and what we say if they actually saw us living it out? To me, what are you known for? What are you known for? Are we gonna be a church that's about loving one another? Are we gonna be a church that's about unity over division, learning to work through our hurts, learning to work through our pain? Come on, are we just gonna go pack up and go find another church to do it again? Y'all know that's true. It's the pattern of our world, but it's sure not the pattern of this church, at least at this hour. Church of Antioch showing us that you can be known for something. Come on, you're Christians. All right, here we go, last thing, quickly. Not only are you known by what you say, known by what you do, this church is known by how they give, how they give. Look at this, verse 27. It said, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem and they went to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. He stood up and through the spirit, he predicted a severe famine that was about to spread over the entire Roman world. Now, don't believe it? Go look at the history books. It's during the reign of Claudius. He's given us a footnote stamp there. You see, the disciples, as each, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending a financial gift to the elders by the way of Barnabas and by the way of Saul. <laughs> this, this to me as a pastor is so beautiful. Here, here you got this daughter church at Antioch. The whole reason they're Christians is because the missionaries came scattered to them. And they are so grateful for the spiritual gift of Jesus that they find out that there's gonna be a coming need that their church in Jerusalem, their brothers and sisters they've never met the Jewish people they've never met are gonna be in a tough time. They said, let's collect what? Grain and offerings. Let's collect something and let's send it back to them to let them know how grateful we are for them. Now, if you remember, why did Barnabas end up there? Because they were what? Suspicious of them. And here a few years later, Barnabas is gonna show back up and say, hey, guess what guys? I went and checked it out. It's better than we thought. God is at work in Antioch. It is amazing. Many people are coming to know the Lord and growing in that faith in the Lord. And guess what? They've sent a gift to you because they care for you and they wanna meet your need and your time of trouble. Come on, does anybody get excited about this? This is exciting stuff. They're gonna be known, this church is gonna be known by how they give. Now, Maybe it excites me a little bit as a pastor is because as a church here, we realize how blessed we are and how grateful we are. And about 11 years ago, we made a strategic decision. You see, the Bible teaches a Christ follower to give to God first. The Bible teaches about giving a tithe or a tenth of income to show God, God, you're Lord of my life. I'm trusting you. And I know you're going to bless my life if, if I put you first. 
And so if God calls the believer to do that, we thought it's not application for the church, but guess what? If the believer's gonna do that, let's let the church do that too. So 11 years ago, we decided every time you give to the church, the first 10% is gonna go to serving people outside these walls. And can I just tell you, that's been a game changer for Mount Ararat. God has opened up opportunities for us to bless and to make a difference long beyond our geography because we were willing to put God first in that order. Here's the best part. As a church in this community, we have a responsibility to the work of what God's doing here locally. And can I just tell you, the bigger you get as a church, other churches can sometimes be suspicious of you, right? I think about churches that look at Mount Ararat and say, I'm not sure what's happening at Mount Ararat. I'm not sure they really teach the Bible there. I'm not sure they really preach Jesus there. I heard, I heard they have a water slide to get people into the baptistry. That's why they got so many baptisms. I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm just telling you, there's a suspicion. And here's what I love. Here's what I love. We, we start to see other churches, if we're not careful, as competition to what we're trying to do. They're going to steal our people. They're going to steal our people. Listen, at the end of the day, we ain't our, it's God's people. And at the end of the day, guess what? It takes lots of types of churches to reach all kinds of people. And you know what? Can I tell you, if it's another church that's preaching Jesus in the Bible, we're on the same team. And so to remind Mount Ararat to be careful, to become jealous and petty and competitive with another church, at the end of the year, we find ways that we can bless and give. And you know what we add to our list every now and then? Other churches that we can give to. Can I tell you how powerful it is for us to give a check to Rock Hill Baptist Church at the end of the year when their pastors are all volunteer? Can I tell you how powerful it is to give check to Horizons to say, guess what, you're you're a gospel witness in our community and we see you as on the same team. We wanna give you a gift to say, keep up the great work. About a decade ago when LifePoint was multi-site and doing that ahead of us and they moved here, I said, you know what, let's let's not get jealous here. Let's do something that shows that we're part of something bigger here. You know what, I kind of think might be a a similar moment here for Antioch. How can we give? How can we give? Can I tell you, your life is gonna be marked by how you give. It's true for a person, it's true for a church. This church is marked, they're known by what they did. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come back up. And as they're coming back up, let me share with you a verse of promise. Paul writes this later. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously also reaps generously. Each of you should give what you decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. The late great Winston Churchill said, We make a living not by what we get, we make a living by what we give. Come on, we know this. It's the freeing posture of how we live. I don't know about you, but I wanna have a reputation in this community of being a generous church. I wanna be about what God's about in the greater kingdom of God. And so as we close out a message like this, I get it. It could go from all over the map of what we're about, but let me just go back to those foundation questions that I found in that one little secular book I'm reading this week. What do you wanna be known by? What do you wanna be known for? And what are you known for? Come on, both campuses, preach it to me real quick. We're gonna be known by what? Number one, by what we say. Number two, by what we, and number three, by how we give. How are you known? 
How am I known? How are we known? Is there a gap? If there's a gap, God wants to do some work in us today. Are we willing to go where God's calling us to go? And it's true for you at work tomorrow. It's true for you at school tomorrow. Come on, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? How are you going to give? How are you going to be? You know, when I think about the environment they created, this is such an encouraging environment that, that God knew this church needed encouragement. So who does he send? He sends Barnabas. What's Barnabas? The first time we meet Barnabas, his name is Joseph. It's at the end of Acts chapter four. He just sold his property and he gives generously to the church to take care of the needs of others. They give him the name Barnabas called son of encouragement. Did y'all know that? That's what that name means. You wanna build an encouraging church? Put an encouraging pastor in there and watch what can happen. Is that not strong? In that book four, they do this interview where he talks about having a conversation with Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy's the founder of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> he said this, Truett Cathy, he was, he was his driver to an event and they had this conversation. He says, Truett says, do you know what the universal sign for someone who needs encouragement is? And this guy Jeff's thinking, universal sign? I know what the universal sign for choking is. It's this, right? Right? What's the universal sign if somebody needs encouragement? And Truett Cathy said this, it's somebody that's still breathing. You know what that means? If somebody is still alive, they need encouragement. Whether they show you they do or not, they need it. What if you began to give it, whether they showed it or not? Can I tell you, if they're still breathing, they need it, they need it. What if God puts you in their life to be someone who builds them, someone who encourages them, just like we see here in Barnabas? Come on, you're gonna be known by what you say. You're gonna be known by what you do. You're gonna be known by how you give. Who wants to be known in that way today? Listen to me. As we close out this moment, I thought about, I thought about this moment in the life of the church. To be called a Christian in our day, most of the time in our modern day, it's a negative term, is it not? The word Christian has become negative in our society. It's like, oh, those Christians, right? Why? They focus more on what we're against or what we're for. It's time to flip the script. It's time to change it. It's time for them to see the radical grace and love and mercy that we have found in Jesus Christ. It's time for us to live in a distinct way so more people could be led to Christ because of our lives in Christ. Is anybody with me today? That's what I want. When I think about knowing the name of Jesus, Peter, the third time the word Christian is used, says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. He says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God, you bear the name. You bear the name. The name that means follower of Christ. The name that means welcome to the party, the party of. I love it. It says there's a parable that says that when one person accepts Christ, it says heaven rejoices. We believe a party happens every time somebody becomes born again. Hey church, let's, let's let the party come through us the next seven days as we get a chance to live out our faith in the way. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're at Fredericksburg today. Maybe you're online today and you're not a Christian. Can I ask you why not? Why not? Man, God is in love with you and he wants to pour that same love in you. Don't miss your moment today. 
That's what a church should be, creating moments for people to intersect with Jesus every time we gather. If you're here today, can I just tell you, if you wanna become a Christian, it's not just about believing. I was talking to somebody in the last week. They said, oh, it's just about believing these things. No, 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 Christianity is more than just believing. Believing, come on, even the demons believe and shudder. It's not about just believing, it's about you. It's about you recognizing your sin. It's about you repenting and then putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Come on, without repentance and faith, there is no salvation. Today, God brought you here today so you could admit you're a sinner and you could begin to meet your Savior today. Come on, pray with me, both campuses. Father God, thank you for what you're speaking to our, our hearts and our church today. And God, I know my voice has gotten in the way and I hope that it hasn't been a barrier to somebody hearing your word of truth coming out. God, I pray in Jesus' name for my brother and sister in faith at either campus or even online that has gotten a spiritual encouragement that what they say and what they do and how they give actually makes a difference to show Jesus in our lives. God, call us close today, just like we did in our time of prayer. I pray this next seven days, like I've been praying, like Chaplain Black said, I've been praying over the resurrection story, the cross, the burial, the resurrection. God, as I fix my heart on that, I pray for somebody to do that in the next seven days. I pray that somebody would pray with that ACTS acronym in the next seven days, talking and listening to you. But God, today I believe there's somebody here that needs to begin a relationship with you. Some of they came to the block party down in Fredericksburg that needs to begin a relationship with you. And you brought them here today so they could do that. I want to give them an opportunity to do that. Come on, right there where you're seated. Talk to God. That's what prayer is. We just did it a moment ago. Say, God, you're speaking to me. Tell him that. I realize today I need you. Tell him that. Specifically, say, I need Jesus. Say, I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I need a savior. And I'm trusting only Jesus to do that for me. Come on, it's with confession. It's with belief. It's with repentance. It's with faith. Today, you became a child of God. Praise God, praise God. On a rainy day, you didn't stay away. You're listening in. And today, God reached you and found you and saved you. In Jesus' name, I love it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Hey, at this campus, stand to your feet real quick. I'm gonna invite my daughter out one more time to give us closing announcements. God's given us a good word today and I just wanna make sure we live it out these next seven days. Hannah, finish out our service today.